morning, everyone. It's truly good to see each and every one of you that that is here this morning. You're very welcome. We have a lot of extra people here today. Merry Christmas to all of you. Let's open up with a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're with us this morning. We invite you into our presence, Father. We pray that you would lead us, guide us, Father, today. Open up our hearts. Father, speak to us in this season, Father, where we look to, where we think of you as you came as a baby or obedient to the Father. Lord, and as we await you in glory, and we think of you in glory, that you will come not as a baby again, but you will come for your church. Father, help us to have this mindset in this season. Father, think of that, to be always ready. Father, bless us, each and every one that's here. Open up our hearts, Father, and speak to us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We will start today, the message is entitled, Eight Lessons from the Wise Men. I had a similar message back in 18, changed it a little bit. Eight Lessons from the Wise Men. I was inspired with the Christmas play in Elmendorf, and it, it made me think a little bit, and I, I watched a documentary, uh, Star of Bethlehem. Sometime I'd like to show it to the church here, it's... I don't know how many of you have seen it. It's quite eye-opening by Rick Larson. But uh, that inspired me to do a little bit of research, and I didn't go in at all any, into any depth. I just listened to what he had to say, and it was, it was amazing. And I will not talk about astronomy or the heavens today. I just want to, I might touch on a little bit to what, the, the, the wise men actually saw what the shepherds saw. Um, we'll start at Matthew chapter 2. And we'll read most of the chapter just because it's Christmas. And I'm going to use about half of these verses today, but we'll read most of the chapter. Matthew chapter 2, we can open your Bibles and keep it open to that because I will reference back to these scriptures in, in, in Matthew 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. From the east. That's a clue there, from the east. saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written in the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not thou least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately, privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child would marry his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And and what? And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word again. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed unto Egypt, and there, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that, the, that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentations and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and they would not be comforted, because they are not. And when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they that are that sought you are dead. Those that which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. We'll stop there. Oh, this is a uh, we call an epiphany message which is the 6th of January, but we'll have it today. It doesn't really matter. Christmas, most people know it's not in December 25. All of you know that. That's not when Jesus was born. You've all heard that before. But why? What is, uh, what is the science behind that? When I want to say science, what do the heavens, what do the heavens declare about Jesus' birth? And they do with exact precision and i used to think okay god made the stars appear at will and he can do that he can do a lot of things he can do miracles at will he just calls them out and it happens but god is even greater than that he allows the heavens and the times to rotate scientifically with precision until it happens automatically because he knows the times and the seasons. He knows where exactly these stars will line up and where you look at them. The reason um, Herod did not see the stars because it was not seen in Jerusalem. It was seen in Babylon. As they were looking towards Jerusalem, which is, this is west, this is east. They were looking towards Jerusalem and they saw the star in the heavens. Um, I've written it down. We don't know the exact time frame of the journey made by the wise men from the east in search of young King Jesus. Um, I spoke of Reg Larson and his documentary, Star of Bethlehem, 
he made the hypothesis in his documentary, which is very convincing, discovered that he made by using astronomy software and the knowledge of the consistency of the galaxy movements. Larson came to a strong belief that when Jesus was born, the Magi observed a very bright star. That star lines up with true events that happened in 2 BC when Jupiter and Venus met together to make one bright star in June of 2 BC. That was a local time in Babylon of June 17 at 9 p.m. approximately. That is when we believe Jesus was born, June 17 at 2 BC. Because of the stars. This is taught this is taught when Jesus was born. This was observed with the naked eye from the east near the modern-day Babylon, Iraq. It was, again, not visible in Jerusalem. It was only visible in Babylon to the Magi. The Magi could easily see it from the east, looking towards the west, setting right over Jerusalem. They immediately recognized it for what it was. This is a miracle in itself. They recognized it for what it was. And we'll get into it this later. And, it's, and started traveling west towards Jerusalem almost immediately. When they got to Jerusalem in November of 2 BC, they immediately asked King Herod where the baby king was so that he could worship him. Herod was immediately troubled and, and got all the chief priests and the scribes together and told the Magi in Bethlehem, and told the Magi it was in Bethlehem because of what? The chief priests and the scribes knew about the scriptures. They knew it, but they had not seen the star. That's why they were troubled. The Magi go outside of Jerusalem, facing towards Bethlehem. That's five miles to the south of Jerusalem. And to their delight, they see the star, they see Jupiter, stopped right over Bethlehem. Now again, Jesus can stop a star, but he didn't have to. You see, when they were looking towards Bethlehem from Jerusalem, Jupiter, if you look at my hands right now, when I am here, it seems to be stopping. Stop, stop, and then it moved, stop, stop. It was moving in that orbital direction, and it seemed to be stopping. Now, it didn't really stop. It continued moving, but from this has actually happened at the date December 25 of 2 BC. Now, what's significant about that in their Jewish calendar or in their Babylonian calendar, it didn't make a difference. It wasn't December 25, but to us, it's probably a sign. We can look at it as a sign. So, this date where the bright star Jupiter stopped, uh, this Christmas date, that the wise men visited Jesus did not mean anything to the Magi because they didn't use our calendar system, but it could be a sign for us. Jesus is not in a manger anymore, but remember, this he was born in June, and in December they visited him. He was a toddler, and he was in a house. And the Bible says here that he was in a house of a few months old. Knowing these precision times of the stars, we can confidently assume that the shepherds did not visit the manger at all, but were awakened to the news in their home country, observing the heavens months prior. So the, the, the shepherds were there, but not 
not the wise men. This is this is not all a, a hypothesis. We don't know for certain, but it's this very compelling story, or that he found Rick uh, Rick Lars in that documentary. And a lot of wise men in this world have come to the same conclusion. Astronomers, the same conclusion that Rick. Larson did in his discovery of these stars. And I took my cell phone and I downloaded from the App Store an astronomy uh, app. And I went back at uh, June 17 of 2 BC and I observed that Jupiter and Venus met at the same time. And you have to put in that app where you are. And I put in uh, Baghdad, Iraq. And I looked to the west with that app, and there was two stars, Jupiter and Venus meeting. Venus is one of the brightest stars, and Jupiter, of course, is the biggest planet, so it's going to be big. And these two combined, you can look with your own app and see they're, they're going to be pointing to over Jerusalem towards the west. And you can see it. Any software will, will show you that in, in June around that time. June, uh, it was exactly... June 17. That's amazing. And God used these times, these collisions of courses that he had set up from the beginning to do his exact will. And I believe, knowing God and his precision, it's exactly when Jesus was born. And he didn't have to stop or make a star bright, shine bright. He could have, but he had something a lot bigger. He had his own mat that he set up. I find that amazing. Now, where are the wise men from? Um, again, I am going to make the assumption that the wise men came. It says from the east, we know that. But I will make the assumption that they were part of Daniel's students 400 some years before that. And I'm not making that assumption alone. A lot of a lot of scholars believe that. And let's go to Daniel chapter 5, verse 11. You don't have to follow there, but I'll read it. Daniel five eleven. There's a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom King Nebuchadnezzar thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans and soothsayers, for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpretation of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. Then was Daniel brought in before the king and the king spoke and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men and astrologers have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, that they could not show the interpretation of, of the thing. And Daniel was, in a little bit after that, Daniel was made chief of the astrologers and of the wise men. 
and this was in the East. And these were learned men, but they were not greater than God. They were not greater than Daniel and his understanding of God, his understanding of the scriptures. How did these heathens know in verse 1? We'll go back to, uh, to Matthew chapter 2 in verse 1. How did men of the East, or Magi from Babylon, how did these heathens know about a king that was to be born, especially to the Jews? Why didn't the current king of the Jews know? These wise men had knowledge of the scriptures. Could it be that these men had a close connection to Daniel, the chief Magi, who for 70 years had dwelt among them, teaching them not only the ways and teachings of God, but also prophecies in Micah 5.2 concerning his birth in Bethlehem? Could it be that after 490 years, approximately 18 generations, could it be, after 18 generations, these men were better acquainted with the scriptures than most of the Jews of the day were because of the influence of one man, Daniel of old? Now, I am drawing that conclusion. It is not in the scripture. So you'll have to make your own conclusions to this. In this message today, I'm taking the liberty to assume that these magi had spiritual knowledge of some form, that they would be so totally convinced of this new king that they would leave house and home to seek after this new king. I am taking the liberty to assume that this strong knowledge came from none other than, than Daniel. I believe this is true because many scholars are drawing the same hypothesis on the knowledge of the wise men from the East. Lesson number one. Shouldn't spiritual knowledge come from those acquainted with Scripture, the Jews? From the Jews in Judea, those that were given the oracles of God from the beginning. It seems that God had chosen the simple things of this world to confound the wise. God had chosen the shepherds and the magi from the east to bring the glad tidings. 1 Corinthians one twenty six. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God had chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world, the things which are despised, God had chosen. Yea, the things which are not, to bring not the things that are. Think of the shepherds. Think of strangers, magi from the east. Who are they to the Jews? They're strangers. They're foreigners. They're the basest things. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, of whom God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorified, let him glory in the Lord. Verse 2, star in the east. The Bible mentions the east again. We would not put a lot of emphasis on pagan magi, but these magi came from the east, suggesting a reputable school. One that Daniel probably started. Being magi, astrologers, and soothsayers, these wise men for generations have made it their business to study the stars and would have been starkly aware of any changes in the heaven, heavenlies, especially prophecies of scriptures passed down by Daniel, the prophet and past ruler of the magi. Lesson number two. The magi had succeeded in passing down spiritual truths and scripture 
prophecies learned from Daniel's influence for 14 to 18 generations, 490 years. It's not exactly thought what a generation was in them days. So between 14 and 18 generations, how long will our influence be passed down to our children? That's a challenge that I'm drawing, bringing to you this morning. How long will our influence be passed down to our children? Will truth prevail for that long? These men came from strong culture of strong knowledge, truth, and tradition that have been passed down for generations. Even today, every generation has a culture that they are passing down to their children. Observing the world around us, we can see that the worldly culture around us is so malleable to change that from generation to generation, we can see stark changes in lifestyle, tradition, and beliefs. We can all observe this looking around us. We ourselves come from a strong culture that has lasted largely for 400 years. But with the powerful influx of technology, media, and social media, how long will our godly culture go on before they will be split and fragmented into the false theology that is in the world? True culture demands certain accountability of righteous fruit and living. You expect a godly, sustainable culture to be able to reproduce consistently from generation to generation. Each generation has to pick up the baton themselves. They have to be 100% assured that the path their parents took is the path they want to follow themselves. Each generation has to have a personal revelation from Jesus Christ that will change their lives because they have seen that life, changed life, lived out from their own parents or peers. This is a strong lesson for us. In verse 3, Herod the king of the Jews was troubled that a king should be born, or indeed had been born already somewhere in Bethlehem. Jerusalem was in unrest because of the Magi. The people were all troubled. The new king acknowledged by the Magi from the east. This could mean unrest, upheaval, or even war. These Magi from the east were very powerful. They were very influential and were known to be dead right in their assumptions. For this reason, Herod was worried, and the people with him. Lesson number three. Herod the king and the people were troubled and scared of the news of a king's birth, which they weren't aware of. Are we troubled and scared of the king's return? As in these days, the troubled, scared ones were the ones not anticipating Christ. Are we anticipating Christ and his return? Jesus was born to bring salvation to mankind. Had they known the scriptures, they could have rejoiced with the Magi and the shepherds. Jesus is coming again, this time for his bride, the church, us. There will be no time to prepare. The time of preparation is now. Amen. Verse 4. Herod demanded the chief priests and scribes to tell him where the king would be born. They told him Bethlehem, as prophesied by the prophet Micah. Micah 5.2 But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be a little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall, shall he come forth unto me, that is the ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. Verse 8 Herod sent the Magi to Bethlehem. They didn't know exactly where the king was to be born, but they expected their own people, the Jews, to know. Indeed, the chief priests knew 
the Old Testament scriptures enough that if the king was born, that the wise men were seeking, it must be in Bethlehem. Verse 10. There had been a star they saw initially back in Babylon, but had disappeared, it seems, before they reached Jerusalem. So they had inquired. Once they were there, the stars, to their great excitement, had returned. The reason for their long journey, months, was again rekindled, and they excitedly pressed on toward Bethlehem with renewed confirmation heart, confirmed hearts. They knew that they were on the right track. Because, like the chief priest said, the stars stopped right over Bethlehem, not only in Bethlehem, but right under the house where the, where the child was. Verse 11 seems to say they knew exactly where to look. I don't know how they found that house. It doesn't say. But I like to think they knew exactly because of looking straight down from that star. They had their tools. I'm not sure what they used, but they found the child very quickly. They didn't say they had to inquire much. There was lots of little babies in Bethlehem at the time, but they found Jesus. Lesson number four. God will give us little assurances throughout our lives that will confirm his goodness, his direction, his protection, and leading toward a certain end. This will give us great joy in knowing that we are on the correct road and journey. God will give us little assurances throughout our journeys, and we have all seen them. Every day, when we're going through a lot of trials and afflictions, the Lord gives us little assurances as we cry out to him for his leading and his guidance. Lesson number five, nothing could divert them from their mission. When God gives us directions to follow, we often have to deal with the King Herods of our lives who try to distract us along the way. As we trust in God, he will show us the way we are to go, not before, but right on time. Verse 11, they fell down and worshipped him. This verse further clarifies and confirms of Daniel's influence on the Babylonian people, especially the Magi. They worshipped him. Imagine a people traveling thousands of miles, not to only to acknowledge the king, but to worship him. They knew this young man was of massive importance. They worshipped him. This was no ordinary king. This was the savior of all mankind. No man worships Herod. Yes, you acknowledge him, you bow down to him, but you don't worship him. These Magi worship not mere man, but God. They knew so much. Lesson number six. This Christmas, let's worship God, not man. Not presents, not food. Like the wise men, let's worship God. Hallelujah. They present the tokens of respect, honor, and love. They give presents of highest degree. This was a token to a king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were presents only for a king. They could not give anything more than this. On an earthly standpoint, this represented the highest degree of riches. All precious commodities, they were all precious commodities recognized globally in these days. Lesson number seven. The Magi not only worshipped Jesus with their words and their time, but they also worshipped him with a generous offering. If we have a genuine encounter with, with, with the Savior, the King of Kings, how can we not honor him with our most precious earthly possession and our time? True worship demands nothing else. We will give him everything that we have. Finally, the last 
lesson is verse 12, and being warned of God in a dream to return home another way. The Magi were no strangers to dreams. They knew of God's dealings and revelations with men through dreams, through Daniel's influence all these years back. They themselves received dreams and revelations on other times. This dream was no different. They received this dream. They recognized that it came from God, and they were obedient to it. Seems to be just another day in the park, the way it, word, it was worded. The Bible says they returned home. We can be sure they not only returned home, but they returned home rejoicing in this extraordinary king that was born, this king whom they worshipped, whom they had traveled so far to see, whom Daniel had spoken of so many years ago that had come to fruition. They went home and continued to pass down this knowledge and truth from generation to generation. And the final lesson here, when we receive dreams, revelations, and knowledge of truth, may it be like the wise men. They were obedient to the revelations of God. They were seekers of truth. And when they received the truth, an immature it was followed. Amen.